This is Stanley bringing you the sound doctrine of the Bible. Under God, I conducted sound doctrine seminars in 1997, 2007, and 2012. The talks of these seminars are now made available to you in segments of 10 to 15 minutes each. They are for your enlightenment and edification. We continue from what we saw in the previous segment. When we talk about Bible interpretation, along with the study of the background and culture, we also must do a little bit of word study, study of words. Now I want to give you one or two exercises for this word study. Cosmos, you note that down. K-O-S-M-O-S, cosmos. Now this is a Greek word. Normally this word is translated as world. But it is translated so in seven senses. But in each place it has a different sense. Please take down the seven senses of this one word cosmos interpreted as or translated as world in our Bible. First meaning the created universe which means earth and heavens. So that means under Sarasaram, will it be a better word? The second meaning earth which is not heavens. In one sense earth as it is opposed to heavens. See how quickly the, the meaning changes. Third meaning, mankind. That is the world of people. Fourth meaning, mortal life. That is life in this world. Fifth meaning, human and supernatural beings which are opposed to God. This is a very tricky meaning. Human, supernatural, as they are opposed to God. So that is called cosmos. Sixthly, the earthly system, the basic earthly system, or you can call it the social structure. Joys, sorrows, disappointments, expectations, longings, all these incorporated. Seventhly, adornment. So the word cosmos has got these seven meanings in the New Testament. Now I am going to give you six verses. And you are going to turn to those six references and find out which of these seven will fit into that particular place? So you are going to do this exercise now. John 3.16 1 John 2.15 and 16 First Peter 3.3 John 17.5 1 Corinthians 7.31 1 Timothy 6.7 Go ahead, now turn to the references, get the sense of the place and try to fit the meaning. You can check your answers. John 3.16 refers to 
the meaning number one. And first John two fifteen and sixteen refers to either the fifth meaning or the sixth meaning. And the first Peter three three goes with the seventh meaning. And John seventeen five goes with the first meaning. And first Corinthians seven thirty one goes with the sixth meaning. And first Timothy six seven goes well with the fourth meaning. Okay, don't worry, I'll give you another example which you can work out in your leisure time. There's a very common word that we have in the New Testament which is called salvation. Now this word salvation is uh, normally translated from a Greek word called soteria. S-O-T-E-R-I-A, soteria. It is normally translated into five meanings or five senses. Number one, safety or deliverance from difficult circumstances. Meaning number two, physical or emotional health. Thirdly, Israel's national release from her enemies. Fourth meaning, Deliverance from the penalty of sin by the death of Christ. Fifthly, final deliverance from the very presence of sin. Now I will give you some scripture passages and I would ask you to match them at your leisure. Luke 171, Luke 18.42, John 3.17, Acts 15.11 Acts 16.30 Acts 27.20 Romans 5.9 Philippians 1.19 and James 5.15 Now when we talk about the study of verse now this does not mean every Bible student should master in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. If you can, you can do it, but I don't want to attempt it because I am already 50 plus. Because I don't think that I should start studying it now. Maybe if you are in your 20s or early 30s, and if you have an access to a seminary training, maybe you can get into some of the knacks of interpreting some critical words in Hebrew or Greek. But for non-seminarians like me who like to do a lot of self-study and at the same time get as close as possible to the original text, I have two books to recommend. One is Wine's Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words. Now this has been a standard textbook for biblical research for several generations and now it is updated. Chief editor is one Mr. Wine, so it is called Wine's Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words. The Wine's Dictionary is published by Thomas Nelson Publishers. And there is another similar work of recent nature. That's also called Expository Dictionary of Bible Words. The one I gave earlier is Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words. But this is Expository Dictionary of Bible Words. Now this is based on NIV and NASB. 
But the previous one, you can use it along with KJV also. And this is by Lawrence Richards. You know, such books are plenty in the theological market. But some of them, you'll, you'll be just bogged down by the details they gave in those volumes. Sometimes you may even lose their interest in Bible study. And they sometimes write with theological students in mind. The books that I recommend to you are chosen for non-seminarians. That means average Christians who want to assimilate the truths with the closest interpretation possible and for further exposition in the teaching or preaching or whatever. Now when we talk about the study of words, for our regular study, even the various translations that we have got will be very handy. Interestingly, there are as many as 450 translations of the Bible, either as a whole or in parts in English alone. So that means English believers will have a greater and a more strict judgment. Where we have only one or two, they have 450. But now, a word to the non-English readers. If you are not able to move to these new English translations, don't hesitate to take new Tamil or Malayalam or Telugu or Hindi or any regional vernacular translations. Any translation of the Bible, I tell you, is to some extent an interpretation. Without interpreting, you cannot translate. This we have to understand. So the idea of the interpreters will somehow or other make its inroad or entry into translation, whatever it is, whether it is done by individuals or by a group. Now I want to give you some examples for updating the translation because I believe God may call some of us, why not, as Bible translators, why not? When English has got 450 translations, why should not Tamil have 45 translations? Why not? In India, God has really blessed us Tamil Nadu with lots of spiritual input. So let us also do. Why not? I'll take one example from King James Version. You know what the first words of the Bible says? King James Version. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But in English, it is not Vanam, it is Paraloha. Because it says God created the heaven and the earth. But NAV has corrected it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is Vanangal and the earth. By introducing one letter, yes, they got the right translation. But in Tamil, there is no problem because we have two words, Vanam and Paraloham. We have no problem. But in English, it is only one word, heaven. So you have to put the word yes to that. And the Hebrew Bible has got lot of puns. You know puns? I don't think there is any other language on earth which loves pun as much as the Hebrew Bible. It is very difficult to translate pun from one language to another language. I will give an example. 
William Carey was a shoemaker. He was a cobbler. One uh, British gentleman came to him to repair his shoes. As he was uh, repairing his shoes, he asked him a question, Sir, are you saved? And that wild and he said, Mr. Carey, you mind your business. He said, Sir, that is my business. I am taking care of this soul and your soul. He cannot get that pun. Impossible. You, you just cannot do it. Yes. Original Hebrew, hundreds and thousands of like puns, which we don't know. Because they are not properly brought out. It is impossible to bring it in our language. So here and there, translators have struggled and brought to the nearest. Now, I, they also had pun on the proper nouns. Samuel and Saul. You know, they used to play pun with the word Samuel and Saul. Samuel means heard by God. Saul means the one asked for. Both look very alike. But the first was prayer, second was a demand. But both look alike in the first instance, but when you, when you get close, you find prayer and demands are totally opposed to each other in the Christian theology. Now, I like pun very much because it is more than a pun. See, he cannot translate it. <laughs> it, it is not possible. So, I am just trying to give you examples, one after the other. John's Gospel, 5th chapter, verse 39. Ah, search the scriptures. This is a wrong translation. How do I say that? Jesus did not say search the scriptures, but Jesus said, you search the scriptures. It is not a commandment, it is a statement. And that's what is clearly brought out in NKJV and NIV. And in the modern Tamil translations also it is corrected. How do we say that that is the original? You are searching the scriptures because you believe in them you have eternal life. That is why you are searching the scriptures. You are already doing it. They are the ones which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me. See, the whole meaning changes by that one word. Because our old Tamil Bible had the King James Version as a background for the translation. Many of them who translated were British people or the missionaries. So it is not search the scriptures, it is you are searching the scriptures. And that's what fits properly in the, in the tone of that passage. It is you are interpreting the Bible, but you are not applying the Bible. We'll continue our study in the next segment. God bless you.